We've had a lot of people involved in uh, pulling our program together tonight, uh, but I want to give a special thank you to our own Carla Mann, who wrote uh, this program for us this evening. Uh, we're really excited about that. I also wanted to give just a little shout out. If you got a program, a bulletin on your way in, uh, the artwork on the front of that, we had a little Sunday school contest and a lot of our students submitted artwork, but the, the winning artwork that you have in your hands tonight is from Alice Holshin. So nice job, Alice. <laughs> tonight what we're gonna be doing is uh, looking in on a group of students who are discussing this question, did you see Jesus? But it's our goal and our hope and our prayer tonight, not just to present you with, with a performance, with a program. Our hope is that you will be thinking about this question in your own life, in your own heart, how you have seen Jesus. So as we worship together, we invite you to join with us in that. Uh, homework. It's winter break. What class gave you homework? Uh, church, I guess. Church? Since when, my guy? Since they asked us the question, did you see Jesus? You mean, did you see Jesus? No, 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 no. It's did you see Jesus? Or maybe, did you see Jesus? Whichever way you say it, I'm supposed to come up with who we think saw Jesus and what they thought about it. You mean back when it happened? Uh, yeah. Who saw him? Or maybe who didn't? He likes to like travel back in time and talk to somebody who like actually saw Jesus. Well, I'd talk to John. I mean, he obviously saw Jesus. Can I help you? I hope so. We're looking for John, the apostle. Well, you found me. But let's drop the title. Just stick with John. Good. Now tell me, John, did you see Jesus? Yes, I saw Jesus every day for about three years. When did you first see him? Well, I was fishing with my brother James. We had just pulled up along shore when two other fishermen that we knew, Andrew and Simon, came by our boat with this guy. That was when I first met Jesus. We started talking for a little bit as James and I were breaking, uh, shutting down for the day. And then Jesus looked at me and said, follow me. Just follow me. And you did? And I did. And James as well. We walked away with them. And then what? From the moment that I met this man, I was intrigued by him. He was kind interesting, interested in me, and he seemed to have a grasp on life like no one that I had ever met before. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of him, and I didn't want our talk to end, and it didn't really. That day ran into the next day, the next week, the next month. He taught us about God. He told us that God was not only his God, but also his Father. It took me a long time to really accept that, but I eventually did. How? We walked with Jesus for about three years. 
We watched him teach, watched him do the most amazing things. I saw him give a blind man perfect vision. I saw him make disabled, crippled people stand up and walk. There was this one time Jesus was talking, teaching on a hillside to, I don't know, thousands of people. It was getting late in the day and everybody was starting to get hungry. Jesus got a hold of somebody's sack lunch, asked God to bless it, and then started breaking into serving pieces, fish and bread. We started out with one lunch. And by the time we had passed out the pieces, we had enough to fill everyone's stomach, and then some. We ended up with 12 baskets full of leftovers. I saw him walk on top of the lake. I saw him say to the storm at sea, calm down. And it immediately did. Kid, this Jesus was God. Toward the end, the Jewish leaders, they got really jealous of him. In fact, they wanted him dead. And so they threw together a complete mockery of a trial. Somehow they got away with it legally and got Jesus crucified. I was there, watching. While he hung there, he mustered enough strength up from the cross to look at me and tell me to take care of his mom. I saw him take his last breath. I saw him, his strength left him. I saw him die. And as the soldiers came along to break his legs and force his death, they saw it too. He was already dead. But just to make sure, they took a spear and they pierced his side and blood and water burst out. And then it was over. John? Oh, sorry. I was a mess for that day and then the next. But then on the third day, Peter came by to get me so that we could go to the tomb together and mourn. Now listen to me. Before we even got there, we could tell that something was off. This stone that blocked the entrance to the tomb, this massive stone, we could see that it looked like somebody had just pushed it away to give access inside. We started running. I beat Pete there, but when I got there, I stopped. Pete came flying past me, went charging inside and starts yelling for me to come in as well. Jesus was gone. He wasn't there. So get this. Me and Pete, we go back to Jerusalem to meet with the other followers there. And we're meeting inside a locked room, mind you. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is standing there talking to us. Talking, laughing, showing us his scars, but alive. Like you and me right now, alive. <laughs> Did I see Jesus? 
40 days later, I saw him rise up off of this earth and enter into the sky. But he told us that he's coming back. Yes, I saw Jesus, and I can't wait to see him again. Well, of course the Apostle John saw Jesus. He was his disciple. But what about... Excuse me, lady, but are you the one who saw Jesus at this well? Let me tell you, darling, I not only saw him, but I spent almost an entire day with him. He was a complete stranger to me and an Israelite to boot. Israelites traditionally don't have anything to do with us Samaritans, but he came up to me when I was drawing water at the well and asked me for a drink. He didn't have a jug to use or anything. He just expected to drink from mine. He asked me who I was and a little about myself. When I started to share a favored set of lies, he corrected me. He started telling me who I was and what I'd done. The thing was, he was right. I went and told everyone I knew to come listen to this man. And you know what? He offered me living water, something I couldn't have to draw out of a well, but something he could supply to satisfy all my needs. He was fantastic. He was amazing. He truly was the Son of God. And then he told me that he forgave me of all my history. And he gave me a new start, like a clean slate. Oh, honey, I saw Jesus. What about somebody who saw Jesus while he was still a baby? Uh, oh, 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 like that, the, um, oh, that old lady, the widow at the temple? You mean Anna, right? She was married for seven years, and then she never married again. Instead, she just stayed at the temple. Until she was 84, I mean, wow. And she worshipped God. Her and that other guy, um, Simeon. Why would they do that? Um, excuse me, sir. Are you Simeon? Oh, yes, that is the name my father gave me. Um, Mr. Simeon, did you see Jesus, the Christ? Ha, I waited for him my entire life. God had revealed to me that I would not taste death before seeing the promised one. I was in the temple, praising God, worshiping him as I'm was my habit, and who should walk in but a lonely carpenter and his young bride. And in her arms was him, the Messiah, such a little baby boy. Oh, but I knew, I knew this was the salvation of Israel. The light to the Gentiles promised from long ago. Well, what did you do? Oh, oh, I, I took the baby boy into my arms. And I cried. I cried. I held him up to God and praised my heavenly father that the Almighty should be so kind as to let me behold the Christ 
with my own eyes. That was all I wanted. All I needed. Now, I can die a happy man. Now that's what I call dedication. He wanted to see Jesus before he died, and he did. Well, there was someone else who really wanted to see Jesus, but not for any good reason. Wait, do you mean King Herod? Hmm. Your officialness, can you please tell me, did you see Jesus? Jesus? No! I did not see him! Did you see him? Where is he? Where is he? Whoa, he looked mad. He was mad. So, the wise man went to King Herod to find Jesus. How did they get away from him? Hmm. Where are you going? East. Well, where have you been? Mm, west. <laughs> Why? Why do you want to know? Actually, I was wondering, did you see Jesus? Hold on. Are you from Herod's temple? We cannot allow him to discover what we found there. No, we're from... Well, no. Did you see Jesus? The child has been named Jesus, but he has many, many names. He was prophesied many lifetimes ago. As was the star. You saw the star? <laughs> we not only saw the star, we followed it from our homes in the east. You followed it? Where did it lead you? It led us to a humble house in the little town of Bethlehem. Wait a minute. You mean over a stable, right? No, over a house. We followed that star for many, many months. Well, what was in the house? The king of the Jews, of the line of King David, born to bring salvation to our people. This child will be our Messiah. I bet you brought him something special, if he was going to be the king at all. <laughs> Indeed, we brought him gold and frankincense and myrrh. We not only wanted to know, we not only wanted to honor him, but we also wanted to honor the path he was about to take. He would, he would have difficulty fulfilling the words of the prophets. King Herod himself deterred us. He pretended that he wanted to find Jesus so he could worship him too. We now know that Herod was deceiving us. Listen, child. Only those who are truly seeking the Lord will find him. Those who truly seek him will find him. How did they know? Was it all spoken by the prophets? Like Isaiah? Hmm. 
Kiela Diulad Lanu, Ben Nitan Lanu. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Pardon me, sir. Are you talking about Jesus? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now you're talking about Mary. I write about Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, sir. Um, did you see him? You come from another time, a time beyond me. Has the Mashiach, the Messiah, come to your time? Well, Jesus, Emmanuel, was born of a virgin named Mary about 2,000 years before we were born. But you knew about his birth way before that. I have not seen Jesus with my eyes, but I know much of him. The Lord has given me knowledge of things to come. I have not seen Jesus, but I will see him in glory. Seems like everybody knew about his coming. So why didn't anybody pay attention to his arrival? Excuse me, sir, but are you the owner of the Bethlehem Inn? What does it look like, kid? Well, I was wondering, did you see Jesus? Who are you talking about? Jesus, the baby born in your stable? Oh, not that again. Listen. My place was full. My neighbor's place was full. We had a lot of people to take care of and a lot of work to get done. But I guess I could have looked in on them. You know, they were in quite a predicament with Joseph's wife being pregnant and all. But I just didn't have any room. I did the best I could. The stables was dry and clean, and they were out of the weather. And it's not like I haven't seen a baby before. He was there, but he didn't even care. All he was thinking about was the money. But the poorest people in the Christmas story knew about him from the very beginning. Hmm. How cool was that? I know, man. It was fantastic. Yeah? Didn't you see it? Or did you two stay here with the sheep? You mean, uh, did we see Jesus? Of course. Well, did you see him? Have you been sleeping? You couldn't have slept through the angels. Tell me about it. Well, we were out here last night, you know, typical night watch. Not much of a moon. Well, we didn't need any moonlight after a while. True enough. Well, it was dark and calm. And then there was this e e blinding light you could almost feel. Just this explosion of light coming from this thing, this person. Maybe an angel? Yeah, an angel. I hit the ground. First this light, and then this voice. 
We were so scared. And then the voice says, peace. And I'm like, I don't think so. But instead of blasting us off the face of the earth, he said, don't be afraid. I'm here to tell you the best news you will hear in your entire life. Today, down in Bethlehem, there's a savior that's been born. And not just anyone, but Christ, the Lord. And here's how you'll know I'm telling you. Go down there now. You'll find the baby wrapped up in some towels and sleeping in a feeding trough. As soon as he finished speaking, the whole sky exploded with hundreds of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and goodwill toward man. They kept repeating it. I figured everyone in town must have heard it, or at least seen all that bright light. We figured, let's go. We're going to go check it out. So we took off to, down the hill to town. It took us a little while to find the right stable, but then we did. The stable behind the Bethlehem Inn had a couple of lamps lit inside it. In the darkness of that town, the light coming from that particular stable was obvious. So we approached cautiously, and the man and the lady indicated we could enter. So we picked into the manger. Sure enough, there was definitely a baby inside. Jesus. That's right, Jesus. Man, I'm telling everyone we meet that we have seen Jesus. He was there, but he didn't even care. But the poorest people in the Christmas story knew it right from the beginning. Hmm. Hi. Hello. You're Joseph. I'm Joseph the Carpenter. You're Jesus' dad, right? Well put, I am his dad, not his father. Elohim is his father. Right, so how did you see Jesus? You mean being his dad and not his father? You've heard of adoption. It was kind of like that, only instead of coming from another man's home, he was sent from heaven. Yes, I know, kind of tricky to think through, but Elohim sent an angel to explain it to me. I'm still not sure why he chose me to raise his son, although, why he chose Mary? Once I understood what was going on, why not Mary? She's of the lineage of David. She was a virgin. She's a gracious, humble, remarkable woman completely devoted to God. I have a deep regard for my wife. You went through a lot, though. I mean, traveling to Bethlehem, the crowded inns and all? <laughs> you heard about that, did you? Yeah. Yes, people talk. Bethlehem was a trip I would have postponed. But according to all the prophecies, it had to happen the way it did. When we were in it, it seemed like everything was going wrong. But by the time we finally got here to Nazareth, well, looking back, it all started to make sense. Seeing and hearing about a bunch of shepherds seeking us out to see Jesus, after hearing about it out in the night sky from an angel, that's incredible. I didn't doubt their story for a second, because an angel of the Lord had filled me on, on a bunch of unbelievable stuff. And then sometime later, when we had settled into a house in Bethlehem, very highly educated men sought us out to worship Jesus. That was amazing. Did you know they were astronomers? Really? They could follow the star of an unusual, they could follow the path of an unusual star to find our sun. It is beyond me. I don't pretend to be educated. I simply do what my father did before me. I built things. You are a good dad. I hope so. He is a good son. He respected his mother and me. 
He studied the scriptures along with his brothers and sisters, and he did pretty well as a carpenter. But more than that, I believe what the prophets have declared about him. How did I see Jesus? I believe he is the Messiah, and because of what he will do, I know he will save me. I unabashedly love Christmas music. I've said that many times before. I love singing it. I love listening to it. Uh, I just really enjoy this season, partly just because of the music. And, and one of the things that, that I've done this year uh, with you as a church is uh, slowed down and really considered some of that music uh, and, and what some of those lyrics have in terms of message for us along with, with God's Word. Uh, and that's been fun to do. And, and we've looked at a variety of things. We've looked at the fact that Christmas calls us to anticipation. Uh, and not just to reflect on the anticipation that they had some 2,000 years ago uh, when the prophets had been uh, uh, talking about the coming of the Messiah for so long, but the anticipation that we share even now that even as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we look forward to his return. Uh, we've talked about the fact that uh, Christmas calls us to celebration. This is one of the things we love about this season, that we celebrate together. And so much of the music that we share is very celebratory. Uh, but specifically, it calls us to a very worshipful celebration. That it's not just celebration for celebration's sake, but that it is all centered around the worship of our God and the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. We've talked about the fact that Christmas calls us to humility, that the, the, the manner of the coming of Jesus is so astounding. It's so humble. You could not get much more humble than, than being born and being put in a, a feeding trough of an animal because there was nowhere else to go. And this is the way God himself enters our world is that way and the reality is the, the subsequent years of his life on earth were all wrapped up in humility and in a world where uh, we are all about scratching out our own way in the world and trying to be seen and be noticed and where we sometimes idolize and put people on pedestals who are loud and boastful that god himself comes in such a humble way and i love that about christmas but the song I, I've been thinking about tonight is one that we've shared together already, the song Joy to the World, uh, which is another song that is fairly celebratory, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I love that. But I love the next line there. And we know it so well, we sing it, and maybe we don't often really think about it and just slow down and consider. It says, let earth receive her king. I think the final thing that, that as I've thought about this, this year, the final thing that Christmas calls us to is response. This is the point of, of this tonight, of, of us considering all the people who saw Jesus and what their response was. And the reality is there was a whole variety of responses but the call is to earth, let earth receive its king, right? But I love even better than that line because that line's very corporate. You know, it's very, we can abstract it a little because it's sort of about all of us. It's about the whole world. 
But then the next line says, let everyone, let every heart rather, let every heart prepare him room. You see, Christmas calls us to response. And in that original story, we see, again, a whole spectrum of responses. We see some excitement about this. We see some worshipfulness about his coming. We see some people who were, who were really curious, but maybe not prepared to, to make any changes in their life about it. We see people on the, the, the far end of the spectrum who were openly hostile toward his coming. People like Herod, who made himself an enemy of him and wanted to, to squash him out, so much so that he murdered, not himself, but he ordered babies, boys, murdered in this region of Bethlehem just so that he could be sure to kill this person who was known as the king of the Jews. I mean, we just see this whole spectrum of responses. But I think for us today, we are still called by Christmas to make a response. The words of, of that song, Joy to the World, are so pertinent for each and every one of us. Let earth receive its king, but then let every heart, every individual, prepare him room. And that's really my question to you tonight is how much room have you prepared in your heart for this Messiah? Again, there were people 2,000 years ago who had a lot of curiosity, but when called to follow Jesus, when he said, follow me, there were some that dropped everything that they were doing and followed him. There were others who said, I don't know about all that. I don't know about following you, especially when Jesus has some really hard sayings about how this would be tough. And he says, I'll tell you right now, if you do follow me, you're not even going to have a place to lay your head. I mean, you're not in this for the luxury. It's going to be hard, but I call you follow me. And there were a whole variety of responses. And I think today we have a whole variety of responses. The bottom line is that Jesus, as that angel announced to Mary, and said, you're going to call him Emmanuel because he's going to save his people from their sins. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. And it's not just a, a statement about the quantity of love, but about the quality and the, the character of that love, that he, he loved the world in such a way that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would have eternal life. In the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, Jesus makes a, a powerful and profound statement. And if we lose this, it, it, it's buried in a, buried, it's not buried, but it's in a, a, a message to a specific church. And yet if we just say, well, it must just be for those people and there's nothing for me there. I think we make a big mistake. And Jesus in Revelation chapter 3 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, and this is what makes it broad and all-encompassing, if anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I'll come in. I'll eat with them. And they'll eat with me. You'll have fellowship with the God of the universe. We are still called to respond. Because this Messiah, this Jesus, came to save us from our sins, to to draw us to God, to restore a relationship in us that has been completely broken because of sin, because of our own sin, because of the sin that's in the world. And it's busted our relationship with our God and with our Creator. But Jesus says, well, I'm here to fix all that. And now, in this Christmas season that calls for a response, He's got that same simple message for you as an individual, not just for us, for you. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm knocking. I'm here. I'm ready. And a lot of times we maybe think, well, I, yeah, I hear him out there knocking, but I got to clean up the house. I got a lot of work I got to do before I let him in. And Jesus just says simply, no, you don't. I'm ready to come in. I'm ready to come in and sit down and eat right now as you are. He's God. He knows full well what the house looks like. He knows who you are. And still he says, I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. Let every heart prepare him room. I don't know where you are tonight. I know many of you, many of you I don't know. Many of you I, I, I know have, have been followers of Jesus Christ for decades. I love that. But even for you, I want to remind you that as we talk about every heart preparing him room, you know, sometimes we can minimize that room. You know, sometimes we can let it become cluttered with other things. And I think we are continually called, even as followers of Jesus, to to come back to that point of magnifying, of, of enlarging the place that Jesus Christ holds in our hearts. That's a response that we are continually called to. But if you're here with us and you've never even crossed that line, you've never come to a point where you've just said, God, this isn't just about us, this is about me. And I am ready to prepare room in my heart for Jesus Christ. I'm prepared to open that door and let him in. I'm done trying to do this myself. I am ready to accept the free gift that is the salvation that Jesus came to give me. I'm ready to accept it. I'm ready to accept him as God and as my Lord. I'm ready. I'm going to open the door. And if you've not done that, I invite you. You don't need to worry about fixing the house first. The simple call is just to open the door, to answer the call of Jesus. And this Christmas could be the Christmas for you that you experience that personally, not abstracted, not on an intellectual level, but that you yourself prepare him room in your heart. Christmas calls us to an anticipation. Christmas calls us to celebration. Christmas calls us to humility. But above all else, Christmas calls you and I to respond. Our Father God, we praise your name for this story.
We thank you. We love you. We are so struck by how beautiful the story is. But God, it's not just a nice story. It's a story that has everything to do with our salvation. As you told the world, this Jesus, this Messiah, this rescuer, was here to save people from their sins. We're the objects of that love, of that grace, of that master plan of yours. And Father, we recognize tonight that you call us to respond. Father, we pray for any that might be with us that haven't just simply accepted the truth and the reality of who Jesus is. that you draw them to you right now. That they would be saved. That they would simply respond to that call of Jesus knocking on the door of their heart and open it and prepare him room. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.